Well, I'm super excited for what's going to happen today. Uh, a while back, God put in our path, God brought into my opportunity to meet uh, an incredibly gifted pastor named Ricky Harris. Uh, Ricky at the time was at the Summit Church in North Carolina, leading campus ministry, preaching with power, doing great things. Well, now he just now has accepted a position at a church in Las Vegas, Hope Church in Vegas, where he's going to be a teaching pastor there. But Ricky, you are about to be blessed by. Ricky's anointed. Ricky's coming with passion. But let me give you a heads up. He's used to you feeding back. So this is not a message to sit quiet in. Is everybody with me? Okay, yeah. So you got to let him know you're with them. So Crossroads, welcome Ricky Harris right now. Crossroads family, how we doing? Listen. Thank you for inviting me here. Listen, I'm from North Carolina, right? So we flew from the East Coast to the West Coast. That means that I have no idea what time it is. So if I fall asleep, be gracious with me, okay? But listen, man, I am thankful to be here. My wife will be here in the next service. We're just happy to see what God is doing here. Pastor Chuck has been so sweet to us, allow us to come. Thank you for your pastor. Put your hands up for your pastor. Well, listen, I have a word that I think God's going to use this morning to remind us of who he is. But I need your help, so I'd love for us to pray. So let's, let's bow our heads and ask God to meet us here. Father, we come today simply saying, God, many of us come broken and messed up with all of our situations, but it is something about sitting under your word that brings us life and hope. So God, today do that. Meet us where we are. Lord, speak with my mouth. Stand in my body. Think with my mind that the words they hear do not come from me, but they come from your Holy Spirit. So this is our prayer, God. Meet us here in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. One day, a grandson came to visit his grandmother. He knocked on the door, and she opened it, and the two walked to the living room and began to sit down and talk. The grandson saw a bowl of peanuts on the table and simply said, Grandma, can I have some? The grandmother said, sure. And he began to pop them in his mouth. And the more and more they talked, the more they popped them in his mouth. And these seem to be the greatest peanuts of all time. He said, Grandmother, excuse me, um, uh, I have to ask you the question, where did you get these peanuts from? She looked at him and said, well, son, these are chocolate-covered peanuts, and Grandma's getting old now, so I don't have any more teeth, so I simply just suck the chocolate out of them. <laughs> Ew. Nasty. Moral of the story is, Things are not always as they seem. <laughs> Same here. We are the people of God. A people who should have assurance and a people who should have victory and a people who should be walking literally on water because what our Savior has done for us, but we can be honest, that's always not the case. Sometimes even those who walk with God have hardships. Is it me or it just seem like sometimes the people of God are the ones who have the hardest time? If you feel that, just raise your hand with me. Well, things are not always as they seem, especially for the children of Israel, who, whose God supplied them with all they need, and yet they find themselves in a hopeless situation. 
They have forgotten who their God is because of their situation. It's as if they can hear God's hope but only see despair. What do you do when you hear God saying that I can rescue you but what you see is despair? That's where they find themselves. And if I can be honest, I think we find ourselves here same place. We come to church every Sunday morning hearing songs of worship and hope. We, we listen to teachings of hope in the gospel. We, we put our lives on the line. We can hear these things, but what we see is our sin. What we see is our failure. What we see is that we don't match up. And today, we're going to step into a situation of Israel where they can hear God calling their names, saying that there is hope on the way, but all they can see is despair. Let's spend our time in Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to see three things from this chapter. First, you're going to see Israel's hopeless situation. Second, we're going to see um, Ezekiel's obedience. And last, you're going to see Israel be restored by the grace of God. So turn with, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. And as you turn there, let me kind of set this scene for you. Israel now has been captured by their enemies. They are now shackled in handcuffs. They are now enslaved. They've lost all they know. They've been left from their homeland. Uh, they have no hope. They are a people of a hopeless situation. And God has the audacity to send them a prophet to tell them that all hope is not lost. What? You tell me that hope is coming, but all I see is despair. God has the audacity to simply say, Israel, I know what you see may seem damaging, but I am your God. Hear me, anyone in here, God has not forgotten you just because you are in a hard situation. God has not forgotten you just because life may seem hard. But Israel has a hard time believing this for all they see is despair, but God has the audacity to tell them that I am still here. So now, pick me up, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. It says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, only you know. Ever been to a dry valley before? A valley of no life. Where all you see is the particles of dust rustling past your feet to escape. There is no shelter from the sun. It's a place of no life. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, God picks up Ezekiel almost by his collar and places him now in the middle of this desert valley. And if I'm Ezekiel, I'm going, now wait a minute. <laughs> you just had me tell them that hope is coming, but yet you put me here. And Ezekiel now surveying the scene simply says, um, and Lord, I'm in this dry valley and all I see is dry, ashy bones. These bones have been here for a while. These bones represent the children of God. These bones represent you and I. 
Like it or not, all of us walk in here with despair and hurt in our hearts, asking the question, God, can you raise me from the dead? Feel that. Ezekiel now asking the question, these bones have been here for a while. It's as if there was a battle that has went on and, and the losing side just got left. And if I'm Ezekiel, I'm going, God, I would expect you to put me on the mountaintop to survey all the, all the new land that we're going to walk into because you just told me that we're going to bring hope to hopeless people. So why would you bring me to a death valley? The purpose of this situation is God is showing Ezekiel where Israel is. Ricky, I thought you said that they were the people of God. They are. So why are the people of God having the hardest time? Well, that's a great question. The reason is Israel began to believe that they could do life apart from God. See, you can't have life apart from the one who is life. Let me just tell you this, Crossroad Church. If you and I are believing that we can do life apart from God, you will be dry. You will have no hope. You will have no joy. And it makes sense why Israel is in the place they are. They believe that they can do life apart from Jesus Christ. And God says, go ahead. I'll wait. My fear for us is that we have this tendency to believe that I don't need God. That somehow I'm smart enough. I, I went to the best schools. I, I'm super gifted as if your giftings can save you. They forgot that God himself is life. So it makes sense why they're saying we have no hope. But this is what I love about God. God says, even though you ran away from me, I'm coming after you, which is the gospel. You and I could not get to God, so God came to us. And now here's the tension now. God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? The bones who've been left, the bones who have felt they have no hope, the bones who walk in church and just go, God, I barely made it in today because I got so much going on, the bones who keep messing up and messing up, the bones who've been left out and forgotten, the bones that have said that there is no way they're going to make it because of what they did. Can these bones live? If you ain't got it yet, I'm talking about us. Like it or not, all of us walk in here with our valley of dry bones. And we spend so much time trying to act as if we don't have problems. Christianity is the only religion that you walk in dirty but come out clean. And so, Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. Ezekiel understood that if broken, jacked up people were going to live, it would have to take the power of God to do it. It's the idea that Ezekiel said, God, out of our own strength, we can't pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps. 
The Christian has no bootstraps. Only by the grace of God are you pulled up to life. Can these bones live? It's as if he was saying, if there was anyone who could live, surely not these people. For if I look at your resume and all of your sins, surely you can't live. Story of a a young girl who at five years old was taken from her family and now tossed into foster care. While in foster care, she would see on the news that someone would throw a homemade bomb in her mother's house and would murder her mother. Not only that, she would then be taken to a grandmother's house around 13 years old, walked into a house with 21 people with only three bedrooms. Later on, about a year from later, her father would come out of prison and begin to inappropriately touch her. There was anyone who had the resume of saying, surely she can't make it. She is the recipe for disaster. It was her. But around 16 years old, someone came to her and told her about a God who specializes in taking the broken and making them healed. And at 16 years old, she would hear the gospel and give her life to Christ. And then that same young girl would become the valedictorian of her high school. And that same girl, young girl, would then eventually be the first one to graduate from college. And that same girl would eventually be the first one to get a master's degree in, in her field. And that same girl would then get married and have two children. Oh, and by the way, that girl happens to be my wife. Don't you tell me what God cannot do. Can these bones live? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Don't you let anyone tell you that you are beyond the forgiveness of God. God specializes in taking those in the valley and bringing them up. So now we see Israel's despair, but now we're going to see Ezekiel's obedience. Look at it with me. Ezekiel 37, verses um, 4 through 10. It says, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the word of God, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause your flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin. So I prophesied as I commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, a rattling, and these bones came together. And look, I beheld there was an army in front of me. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, Son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as I commanded, and breath came into them. So now, Ezekiel now asks the question, Can these bones live? God asks the question, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. The tension here now is Ezekiel is trying to figure out, um, God, what do I do when all I see is no hope? What he saw was that there was no hope for these bones to live. But what he heard was God saying, can these bones live? Let me tell you something. When God asks a question, he already knows the answer. When God says, can these bones live? He's not asking for for, for Ezekiel's wisdom. He's saying, son, I'm trying to tell you something that you are missing. Don't let what you see dictate what you know. Can 
these bones live. Can you imagine Ezekiel now? And, and then God says, Ezekiel, not only asking a question, but I want you to speak to these bones. What? Squeeze me. You want me to speak to a pile of bones? I mean, can you imagine somebody walking by going, there go Ezekiel again. He ain't been right since chapter one. I don't know, man. I don't know, God. I mean, he's asking me to speak to a pile of dry bones. Let's just be honest. If I walked outside and saw Pastor Chuck talking to a dry bone, I would say, crossroads, we may have a problem. <laughs> but don't miss this. Ezekiel shows us what we often forget in the Christian life, the word obedience. Even though it makes no sense, he does it. My fear for us, church, is that in our generation, we've become prone to debate with God. God is not a politician. You don't debate with him. He is the God who controls all things, who hung the stars in the sky, who made the moon and the stars shine together. How do you debate with the one who created you? Israel says, I mean, Ezekiel says, even though it may not sound right, I'm going to do it. My challenge to you is, do we do this? When God tells us to open our mouth and share the gospel, do we do it? Or do we simply say, God, I, I, gotta, I ain't got time, God. Maybe tomorrow, but today, I, I got to get home. Or when God says, I want you to go across the street to a neighborhood that you don't like and be a witness there, God, I, that causes too much time. I, I, I can't do that. Hear me, Ezekiel does not debate with God, but he does exactly what God asks. He obeys. But also, let me tell you this too. Not only does he obey, it takes a man of faith to speak to dry bones. I'll raise your hand if you're here if you desire to please God. If you want to do his will, you want to, amen. Hear me, you can't do that apart from faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that faith pleases God. What is faith? It's taking God at his word. That God can do what he says he can do and that God is who he says he is. Faith says I'm putting both feet on the character of my God. I'm not leaning here or leaning there. Here's the thing. I need us as Christians to believe that God can do what he said he can do and that he is who he says he is. So... Ezekiel now, he says, um, he, he, he prophesies and, 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 and he hears a rattling sound. These bones are not coming to life. It's, it's, it's as if he's going, I preached the word to them and they rose. But then he goes, sums off. They're standing erect. There's skin and tendons on them, but they're not living. How many of us in here right now, you are standing erect. You look good on the outside, but if we can be honest, there's no spiritual life in you. You can learn how to do Christianity without ever having the heart of it. 
They're standing. They look good. They make a lot of money. Their family portion on Facebook is flawless. But when I peel back the layers, are they still living? The scariest thing about Christianity is you can learn how to do it. He says, they're standing, but they're not moving. God then says, prophesy to the wind. In the Hebrew language, uh, the word wind is the same word we get our word spirit from. What he's saying is, call the Holy Spirit down upon them and to breathe in them. The same, the same breath is the situation now. Genesis 2, verse 7, God would make man now in his image. He would put things together, and then he would stand man up and He would breathe life into them. What is he saying? The only way dead bones can live is by the word of God and by his spirit. That is the only way that we can live is by the word of God. John wants it that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then he says, not only that, but you also need my Holy Spirit, which no one on earth has ever been saved apart from the spirit. This is what I'm telling you here at Crossroads Church. We've got to be people of the word and of the spirit. A Christian who does not read their Bible is an oxymoron. To only read your Bible on Sunday morning is like only being married in public. We have got to be men and women who consume our word and call on the Holy Spirit to help us live it out. God simply says the only way dead bones can live is by the word of God and by his spirit. Feel that. think we miss it. God is very clear in his word. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet we know that, but we change it. We say, apart from you, I can do everything. And God sits back on his throne with his eternal Rolex and says, okay, I'll wait. I'm learning in my life that sometimes the greatest thing God can do is let me sit in my stupidity. Sometimes it's only when you're flat on your back do you finally look up. Psalm 121 says, I look to the hills. From where does my help come from? The purpose of the story of the valley is Israel forgot who the source of life was. And God said, you're right. Apart from me, you are hopeless. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But the one thing I love about God is he always comes after his people. All right. Our final point is now God has breathed life into Israel. And now we're going to see Israel's restoration. Look at it with me. Uh, verses 11 through 14 says this. 
Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are, whole, are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will open your graves and raise you up from the graves. O my people, I will bring you into a land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and you will place in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. God now made it clear. Israel, now that you're connected to me, now you have life. You have my word, and you have my spirit. Hear me. Those of us who are in a dark place, God has not forgotten you. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What is joy? Joy is this internal beat that keeps beating. No matter what the terrain of life is, no matter what you may go through, it's a consistent rhythm that says everything is going to be all right. I know you're crying at nighttime. I know you feel that God's forgotten you, but everything is going to be all right. It's a consistent beat that simply says, I am still with you. And now Israel now has life. Oh, they have life now all because of what Christ did. God has done in their lives. He came to them to uplift them. But here's the question. Do you believe God can do the same for you? See, these Bible stories are not just good stories. They're to give us hope. And most Christians will have a time of walking in the valley. And if you haven't had that time yet, just keep on breathing. But Ricky, how do I know that God is going to raise me up out of my situation? How do I know that God's actually going to hear my pain and hear my cries and deliver me? Well, you've missed it. Three times the Lord says, I am. It's the same thing he said to Moses when he said, Moses, go get, e go get Israel out of Egypt. Moses now going to Egypt. He said, oh, wait a minute. Who should I tell them who sent me? God says, I am that I am. It, when God says that, he's using a noun and a verb, no adjective. An adjective's job is to explain a noun. What greater noun is that than God? God says, I am that I am, meaning I am who I was. I am who I am, and I am who I will be, meaning that if I rescued you back then from the past, I will also do it now. He says, I am that I was. I am that I is. And I am that I will be. I know it's terrible grammar, but it's perfect theology. What God is saying here is now, he's saying, you may think I have forgotten about you, but if I comforted you, if I prayed for you, if I gave you grace, if I gave you strength, if I did it back then, then my character says, I will also do it now. Israel forgot that the same God that rescued them in Egypt is the same God that will rescue them now. And most of us have forgotten. The same God who wiped away our tears years ago is the same God who will wipe away our tears now. I got to go. Um, 
I'm from the country in North Carolina. And my granddaddy, man, uh, I used to ride around with him all the time. I used to hate it. No 12-year-old no wants to ride around with that granddaddy. It's, just, it's, it's not cool, man. You know, he ain't running no AC. It's hot. He, it's hot. Yeah. And the one thing I used to hate was he used to take me to the dump, the trash dump. No 12-year-old wants to walk out smelling like trash. Literally, and he would go to the dump, take out his chair, and sit down. And he would watch the cars come in to about to dump off the trash. He would say, uh, hey, 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 don't throw that away. That's still some good. Why are you in that trash? Literally, he would sit down there for hours and go, hey, 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 hey. Don't throw that away. That's still some good. And what he had the ability to do was what other people thought had no value, he could see value in it. They just needed the right person to come along and pull it out of them. Do you see God now standing at the dump? And when you and I come, with our brokenness and our sin and our shame and the mistakes that we made that we thought no one could forgive me of them. And you pull up and you're ready to throw it away. You throw away your marriage. You throw away your family. You throw away your hopes. You throw away your dreams. And you're right at the edge of releasing that. But oh, I hear a voice that says, hey, hey, don't throw them away. They're still some good. Oh, my hope is built on nothing less in Jesus' blood and righteousness. I shall not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Hold on. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. I once was going to be thrown into the pit, but now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. God says, can these bones live? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Did you love Ricky Harris or what? Did you guys love him? Yeah. Man, awesome, awesome, Ricky. Love having you here. The question we do want to ask is, just what Ricky brought to you, is can you have life? Can you live? Can you really experience God? And God wants it for you. He really wants it for you. 
But you got to trust him. You got to call out to him. You got to take that step of faith and say, yes, I want you. So right now, some of you, this is your moment. This is your time either to commit or recommit your life to the one who can bring life to you in an incredible way. And you know what? There might be there might be somebody here who's been praying for you and praying for you and this is the moment their prayer is going to be answered because you're going to say yes. Either here, online, or on the patio. This, this could be the moment maybe you feel like no one's been praying for you and no one's been caring for you. But God does. God loves you. And you know what? He wants you to say yes to him. He calls out to you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come in to be with them. Jesus said, I'm standing here. I want this for you. The question is, do you want it? Do you want to start living the life you know deep down inside you should be living? Do you want to start experiencing God's victory in your life? Do you want to start seeing his love come through? Right now, I'm going to ask you, if you love God, would you pray for people to say yes to him? And I'm going to lead a prayer where you can say yes to God here, online, or on the patio. But you could just say yes to God right now. And I want to tell you, what you thought is lost will be found. What you thought did not have the potential to come to life can come to life with you and for you. But you got to say yes to him. And so I'm going to ask you right now to start by saying yes. Then I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. But let's pray. Lord, we know right now that you want, you want every single person who's here or online or on the patio to know how much you love them. You want that. I know it's your will. And you might be putting that question in their mind. Can, can that promise come true? Can that life really happen? Can living now be different and better and more amazing? And it can, it can. It's a prayer away. Just like Ezekiel trusted you to bring the dry bones into life. Lord, right now there's some who they may feel dry, they may feel tired, they may feel done. But Lord, you're ready to give them life that's incredible. Right now I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you're ready to say yes to God, he loves you. He wants you. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. If you were the only person that Jesus had to come and die for, he would have done it for you because you matter that much. So right now, this is your moment. Do you want to say yes to him? Do you want to say yes to him? If so, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Whether here online on the patio, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died so I could have life. You died so I could know your love. You died so I could be forgiven. And you died because you want me. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. Jesus, take me now and make me yours. And in your name I pray, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen.
amen if you prayed that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.